from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Ow. Ow. Oh, man. <laughs> What do we do? Oh. Where where are we? Let's start over. All right. okay. well, you, I always keep this in anyway, even oh, when you, you say do. that, just okay. so you know. But we can start over. Let's okay, ahead. start over. Okay. Hi there, listeners. It's Perry Gruber from Tiny House Podcast. Good morning. This is Michelle. And this is Mark. <laughs> I always say good morning. What did I just well, say? It's, it's good morning to us. I know. Now, good morning. Not to our listeners. So how are you guys doing? I'm okay. Good. Yeah. I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm a little frazzled because... Well, like, we can't talk about the J-A-M-B-O-R-E-E, can we? Because this is going to come <laughs> wow, out we after. must have some stupid listeners if you're going to spell the word. Either that or kids on the show. Because okay. <laughs> it's going to come out after the after that, right? That's, we can still talk about okay. it. I mean, it's not like, yeah, we're um, still living in real time. Okay, well, in that case, I'm um, kind of kind of jazzed about going to the Jamboree. And it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> It was so fun. 80,000 listeners. Yeah, thank you. Listeners. We set the world record yeah. for the podcast with the largest yeah, yeah. live audience. It was fantastic. We're creating our futures yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. I'm feeling kind of out of sorts, I think, because we're going to the Jamboree and we're leaving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you leaving? You're leaving today, tomorrow. No, no I'm leaving remember, tomorrow. Remember, she's yeah. driving us once we get there, remember? That's, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, all going to yeah. land at the same... Or yep. relatively so I haven't much. slept in like, I think, three days. Last <clears> night, I finally jumped out of bed and said, I have to get this stuff out of my head so i typed up my schedule and and things are crazy but things are good i'm looking forward to seeing michelle on for th- four days in a row <laughs> yeah <laughs> and see what happens on the fifth on the fourth on the day. last yeah. day yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i yeah i gotta bring my a game yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> some <laughs> something to calm me down afterwards so you guys know the hunter s thompson books and all that right uh-huh. a little bit do you know Ralph Steadman, the guy that does the artwork for Hunter S. Thompson? Oh, no. Oh, no. it's just this kind of, that's kind of what I'm picturing <laughs> in the fifth day. Like, <laughs> yeah. bats are flying around <laughs> and things are looking blurry. And, yeah, anyway. It's all about balance. <clears throat> yeah. It's all about balance. Yeah. Speaking of balance, not that. Uh, really? <laughs> You're that's not that. your best <laughs> I, know, I was trying. Speaking so of balance, it's time Tracy. to yeah. <clears throat> Tracy Powell hi guys. is, hi. Tracy, <laughs> Tracy Powell has a unique tiny house. Uh, she that is balanced on a trailer. That is balanced. <laughs> I was going nice. to say balanced, but it's actually can't. It's got a can't delivered roof. Roof is that what that's called, or shed roof, or what is that? It's a shed. Yeah, shed, shed roof. roof. Yeah, shed roof. It's full of shed. <laughs> it's full <laughs> of shed. I'm just, I'm just practicing because I can't say those other words exactly. live. So that's I can right. Do them now. Anyway, uh, be that as it may. Yeah. Uh, so Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, so nice talking to you guys. I've, uh, not to say I cyber stalk you, but I've heard almost every one of your episodes over the past year or so. <laughs> so which one's your favorite? Oh, my God. Uh, the code guy with the electrical guy. Oh, I forget yeah. his name. See? Gary, everybody love loves that show. Yeah. It was a great show. Except love for some him. of his more it's conservative listeners. I love that. <laughs> that was a fun one. It was a fun one. Um, so, uh, Tracy, why don't you take, take control of the show and tell us what's your claim to fame? Oh, oh, wow. Um, Well, my tiny house has been in four trade shows up here in the Northeast. So I've had over 50,000 people walk through my house. Um, And and then I was on my company's employee magazine uh, that was sent out to over 40,000 people across the world. So yeah so it's it's really exciting how how many diverse like a diverse range of people that are so excited about tiny living even if they're not willing to do it themselves well that's the thing right and so do you, do you, is your house more of a demonstration of something or do you actually live in it oh i actually live in it 
Yeah, wow. it's actually my home. Yep. Does your brother live there with you? No, but I did. I did design it and build it with my brother. It was kind of a we we say a design build project because we kept changing the design over the course of the build. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she's but, not a yeah, poser. Now I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a poser. <laughs> Yeah, I'm up in New Hampshire now, for now, because it's on wheels. <laughs> yeah, are you are you planning to travel around with it? Um, yeah, it's you know it's 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 designed for mobility and transport, and I've got all the DOT lights, and I built it within the sizes for DOT, but uh, I don't have an F250, so this weighs fourteen thousand pounds. So, mm. so I'll, I'll probably move it a couple times a year from one RV park to another. Got it. What what kind of car do you have? Oh, I have a hybrid. So it's a tiny little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's a little. It's a little Ford C Max, and I I got a bumper sticker with my house on it, and it's like, it, and it says uh, like, my other hybrid is a tiny house. Oh, <laughs> nice, perfect. <laughs> my <laughs> other contribution to the environmentally responsible planet. Right, absolutely. Is I, a tiny house. Right. I thought she was gonna say I put my bumper car bumper sticker on my car and then I have to put the pedal to the metal when I go uphill. That's, <laughs> that's how weak the engine is. <laughs> I have a hitch on my little convertible and you would be surprised how many people ask me if I pull my tiny house with my convertible. Wow. Oh my gosh. They just don't get oh it. My God. Really? So Tracy, what, what started you um, down this path? When did you, what was your aha moment that, um, and when, of course, um, that led you to think, hey, I'm so going to do this? Oh my God, it's, it's actually one of the funnier stories. I think um, I grew up in RVs. So, what? so, so, I mean, we spent most of our childhood in RVs while my parents were building homes and we, as uh. soon as we'd finished, we built three homes and, um, you know, instead of doing homework, my brother and I are like hammering nails and painting and stuff as little, little kids. So, so I always kind of knew I would end up in some sort of maybe a park model RV or a mobile home or something that was small. So, um, but I went looking around, um, I were, I work in the field of architecture, so quality, you know, was pretty important. And I was shocked to figure out a year ago that park model RVs are like six figures if you get a, a good one yeah. that's year round, you know, built for year round, not mm -hmm. just seasonal. So my my brother is electrician, I'm uh, architecture. So basically, we said, oh, we can build it for half that price, and and that's why we decided to build it ourselves. Did you come in half so. the price? Yeah, we did. We we came in about um about seventy. I spent about forty five though myself. So, so I came under under my budget. I just had other because of the trade shows. I had things donated and discounted that were in the original plan or in the original design. Hmm. So, so are those numbers included in your budget? Um, yeah, they're about a, like so. It's like four. I spent about forty five. I had about twenty five. Um, I mean, it's all kind of a, approximate because a lot of it was donated sure. um, materials. So, um, so it was about seventy altogether, and that's what I've got it insured for in case something happens to it. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, are, so, are you an actual architect, or do you just work in the field? I, I'm an architectural designer, uh, and uh, I mean, I have been for over 10 years, and then right now I do consulting for firms. So, yeah, we don't we, we don't say the word architect even uh, unless we're licensed and, and registered and insured and bonded, and, and I'm not. So that's so, the only step you need to take to get to being owning the label? Yeah, I would need to take all the exams. Okay. So it's like a series of, you know, nine exams that... That um that architects have to take just like lawyers and accountants and everything it's like a bar exams basically. <laughs> and I know a lot of people make that choice that that 
uh, to decide not to become architects for that very reason. Because oh, really? it's a lot. It's not just the effort. It's the insurance liabilities and a lot of other things. Uh-huh. They can basically do the work of architects without being them. Uh-huh. Is that right, Tracy? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Like I grew up watching the Brady Bunch, and Mike Brady was an architect and practiced from home and drew mm-hmm. houses and stuff. You know, but yeah, it's tricky because a lot of people use that word architect and they don't realize that they they really can't say. It's like doctor. You can't say doctor unless you're really you know licensed. So. Huh. So then yeah. I would imagine the process is an architect. So you can draw and design and all that fun stuff. And then an architect, um, especially for a, probably a commercial or residential type project, then the architect probably signs off on what you did then and said, yep, this is good to go. Is that how that works? Yeah, in most parts of the country, it's anything over two families would need a stamped architect working on the project. And, and then in a lot of in a lot of states, they even need the engineer's stamp on the drawings. Mm. So any, anything bigger than a two-family. So I can do anything under that. It's just that I've worked on commercial projects for so many years. Mm-hmm. And right now, like I'm doing a lot of high-rises in Boston, and I just do one part of the project. I just do like the building security and the safety of the building. So... I get brought on as a consultant, basically. Hmm. So, so I work from home. So I'm, I'm, I spend a lot of time in my tiny house because I work from home. So yeah, wow, that's cool. What, what was? So tell me about the, uh, the um, experience working with your brother. Do you guys have? I presume you guys work very well together because you were hammering together with your family. Well, Is that right? well, you know, it's it, it's funny. I was just thinking about this leading up to us talking, and I was like, I hadn't thought about it since my brother and I about a year ago started the project, and. You know, we, we growing up in an RV, there was, you know, we were really, really, I thought, compared to my friends, a really close family, no secrets. You learn to respect privacy. My brother and I shared a room all through high school even. Because wow. it was a 40-foot RV and there was four of us. You know, my parents shared a room. We shared, like, a room with separate beds. So... Uh, we were just, we've always been really close, but, but I will say he is my brother. He's my little brother, but he's like a foot taller than me. So, <laughs> you know, on the job site, he's the man and the boss and he, you know, he has a lot more building experience than I did. I was more in the design and he's like, we got to do it this way. And I'm like, no, but that's not pretty enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, yeah. So it was, we did butt heads and I, you know, each one of us walked off the job site a few times. We thought, <laughs> we, we, we thought if this is a reality show, this would be so good good for the episode because we're like <laughs> screaming at each other with power tools you know <laughs> that's the name of the show right there that's right screaming at each other with power tools yeah but wow. but oh god but I, I love him and my dad helped out too um you know um you know my mom used to always do the design so i did that instead but um, my dad and my brother both helped out on the project so it's a family it was really a family effort hmm. what kind of rv did you guys live in was it um, like a motorhome rv or a trailer oh it was all three of them were trailers so the first one was like around 20 feet long i think the next one was probably 26 or 28 and then the last one was the fifth wheel rv Mm. so that was a 40 footer wow um, so every time those we were in those tiny RVs, I'm sure our parents didn't intend it because they were just simply, you know, trying to live the American dream and build bigger and bigger houses. So they were working from like 1,500 square foot home to an 1,800 square foot, and then the last home, um, they barely finished the home by the time I graduated high school and moved out. So it was like a 2,400 square foot home that I really barely got to live in. Wow. So we were always in the RVs. It's it's kind of funny how oh. it worked out. I, I think a t- more typical story would be I was raised in an RV and I got pretty sick of it and I couldn't wait to build my 3,000 square mm-hmm. foot <laughs> four bedroom, two bathroom with a pool in the backyard. So 
how did you learn? I mean, I think your story is, of course, unusual because you were raised in an RV. But I find the unusual part of the story is you stayed basically in a tiny space. So what about that experience inspired you to stay tiny? You, you probably don't mm. have a lot of good downsizing stories unless you do. And I'm and I'm <laughs> circumventing your story. But um, so what inspired you to stay tiny? Um, well, because I'd never had a lot of stuff because we were always, like I said, in the RVs. And then when we'd get into the house, we'd have some toys and, but, you know, building, building homes, you know, you can build a home for probably just, you know, just over half of what you would buy a home for. So they were certainly doing it to save money, but, but it's a huge financial investment. Um, so, so that we were always kind of, I guess, I don't want to say we were poor, but we really, um, we really didn't have a whole lot of stuff. Uh, it wasn't till the very last home that my parents had even accumulated a ton of stuff. So, so every apartment I had after that, when I grew up and moved out and went to college, was just a small apartment. Like all of them were probably like around, I don't know. I'd, I'd say the biggest one was probably seven hundred square feet. Wow. So that's just kind of, that's kind of where I always lived. Mm -hmm. That's just what I was always used to, and never having a lot of stuff. You know, moving from one apartment to the next. For, to rent one place or one, rent the next place next year in a different lease, I'd throw everything I could fit in a car or a tiny U-Haul and just go to the next place. It was mm. always... Uh, so I didn't have much stuff to get rid of when I finally went mm. tiny. Mm. <laughs> I hardly had anything to get rid of on Craigslist. So. Right. so that basically was your comfort zone? Because again, I want to get to the heart of the sort of emotions that make you want to stay tiny. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, not having a lot of stuff. Most people, again, most people want to buy more stuff to fill the space. So, well, you know, it's funny because I was in North Carolina when I was younger, and I worked down there. And the last move I made up back up here to New England, probably about ten years ago, I shoved everything I owned, which wasn't that much stuff, you know, inside of a Volkswagen Beetle. And on the way back home to New England, the Beetle caught fire and overheated, and I lost pretty much everything I owned. <laughs> and and my brother came down on New Jersey Turnpike, picked me up on the side of the highway, basically. And um, I wasn't even crying. I wasn't even upset about it. I was like, I saved my cat. I still have my cat, you know, <laughs> and my cell phone. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, I guess I, I guess to answer your question, I guess. Um, I'd never had a lot of stuff, so so it didn't really occur to me to start accumulating it. I suppose. So you're you're kind of uniquely positioned in people we've talked to in the past, and that you've lived um, in an RV and in a tiny house. Um, what are the biggest? What's the biggest difference in the two structures? Um, well, when I, we were set, when we were inside the RV, most of those times we were in an RV park because the land that our parents were building a home on didn't even have the septic system in yet during a lot of the time. Um, so in the RV park, I noticed that I could hear everything that was going on in the park, like through the windows, kind of through the walls when I was inside the bathroom, mm. somebody would walk up to the house and I'd be like, oh, my friend is here because I could hear their voice through the walls. Wow. <laughs> and, and I think, I don't know. I hope I'm hoping the audio quality is really good now, but I'm inside this house and I cannot ever, when my windows are closed, I cannot hear a thing that's going on outside because the acoustics and the insulation are so, so much more robust, kind of maybe even overkill for 150 square feet. Interesting. So maybe that's, I would mm -hmm. say that's the biggest difference. Hmm. The, the, the design of your house, I don't want to get too much into the design of your house, but I, the, the design of your house has the windows really high. Is that a, a privacy thing? 
Yeah, it's because I, I all the apartments I've ever lived in, I always put blinds or curtains on the windows because I was in an apartment complex. And um, I have my awning windows up high, like clear story style, down the whole length of the house, knowing that I was going to be parked parallel with other RVs. Uh. Like my, my intention from the beginning was to end up in an RV park. I never looked at a piece of land. I never scouted out, where am I going to? I was never worried um, mm. uh, about where I was going to put it because I was like, oh, well, there's just RV parks and I'm just going to pay for a parking spot, you know, like I like I did when we were kids, you sure. know. So, yeah, so those windows, um, I, I knew I was going to be covering them up. So I put them up high and then my glass doors, my two doors at either end, I can see out of as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when I had lived in a, I bought a condo, some time ago and it was a two-story condo two different units one on top of the other and the bottom one had these floor-to-ceiling windows but the top one had these really tiny windows even smaller than the ones that um, Tracy has on her units and I and I wonder I talked to the designer why did you build that top one that way and she said that one's for women because they don't they often don't feel secure and so it's on the top floor and it has little windows so they feel secure and nested in that space so I was wondering if it was kind of the same kind of situation oh no that's interesting and and a lot of the high-rises I'm working on in Boston by the time you get up to the 50th and 60th stories it's all glass because there's no one else no high see, enough to yeah. see yeah, in. That's a good point. There's nowhere to no way to see in. Even some of the thirty stories I've been working on, where you know, even if there's other thirty story towers near you, generally you can't see that far and, and through the glare of the glass. So they mm. usually do have a lot of windows. Do you um, find but, your? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I don't spend a lot of time indoors. Honestly, I'm more of an outdoorsy person, I suppose. So I, I didn't want this place to feel so comfortable that I would never go outside. Like I don't have, I haven't had cable TV in over ten years. So, you know, I, I want, I didn't want to have to see out because I'm, I want to be out instead. Nice rhyme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to rhyme. So is your is your tiny house on a piece of property, or did you put it in a mobile home park like you thought you would? Yeah, I'm in an RV RV park. park. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the Field and Stream RV park. There's actually a couple buses that are here that are converted to tiny houses, essentially. So, um, and and they've put advertisements out since I came in, going, "We love tiny houses. Come to our." Yeah, so a bunch of other people that have been building um, that I've met in the Boston area are looking at this park too. So, so hopefully, eventually, it turns into some sort of community because it's it's year round. the reason I came and left the Boston area, I'm about an hour from Boston. That's kind of where most of my clients are. But this is year-round in New Hampshire. Massachusetts only has seasonal parks. So I didn't want to have to move it twice a year if I decided to stay in one spot for a whole year. I see. You know? What do you pay for uh, your space? 600 a month. And that's yeah. water, power, yes. sewer? Uh, it doesn't include electricity, but it includes everything else. I mean, I, I only use electric and water anyway. I don't have propane or gas. So, uh, and, and then I have an internet hookup, although again, I don't watch TV, so I don't, I don't, you know, pay for cable, but, but this is a little, you know, for this area, I'd say it's probably on the higher end for pricing, but it is a gated waterfront wooded community. So it's, it's it's really one of the more beautiful ones. Um, It's gotta be with the name field and stream on it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and there is a field and stream, so and it's right on a lake. So Better than guns and ammo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in New Hampshire, yeah. Not too far removed, though. Seriously. <laughs> 
<laughs> you sound yeah. like a grouse when you laugh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> back as long as I'm not, I haven't been in New Hampshire so long that it's like a Duck Dynasty laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I grew up in the woods, though. You know, I said RV parks when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. those were our, those those RV parks were not located in cities. They were located in suburbs and the and the countryside. Huh. So. You know, I was I, my plan was never to go into a city. What is your What does your mom and dad think about your choice to live in a tiny house? Um, my dad loved it, and he's like, "Well, make sure you go look at the park model RVs because those are a lot nicer than they were 20 years ago." And and uh, I basically just went looking at them to spy on them and steal ideas from their <laughs> designs because you know they're really good at making things compact. But but no, my my dad was all over it. He loved it. He let me. Um, uh, the way I did it was I lived at my dad's for six months while my brother and I were building the house on the weekends. Huh. And my brother lives right down the road. My my mom passed away about seven years ago. So, uh, or, or she would have probably tried to change my design five times. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. But my, but my dad, um, yeah, he, he was, uh, yeah. Like I, I, without my brother and my dad's help, honestly, I am sure I wouldn't have been able to do the project. It was, hmm. it was awesome. Hmm. Is your is your home does your home not have gas in it because your brother was an electrician? Oh my god, no. It's it's a horror story. When we, one of the RV parks we were in when we were kids, there was another older RV with a giant propane tank as oh. most of them have parked about maybe 30 feet away from our mm. RV and in the middle of the night it exploded. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so which which was ignited from an electrical problem, but because the propane was right there, the fire trucks and my brother and I were like probably two in the morning and we're outside going "Ah," you know like really really scared so so the first thing we said was no propane were the were the people inside uh no luckily the guy wasn't even home because he would not have been able to get out in time i mean most rvs only have like one door to get out um the reason Mm -hmm. i did two doors was was partly from that catastrophe good idea yeah. Wow. That's yeah. why she likes Gary's show so much. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> remember, didn't he start his show talking about explosions and, yeah. and yeah. egress requirements and so forth? So uh, she's, mm-hmm. He's the one who guaranteed that there's going to be someone sooner than later who's going to die in their tiny house. That, yeah, and I've lectured to the architects in Boston about mine, um, and I've said it's I and I, I actually use the words. It's only a matter of time before someone dies. That's that's how building codes are invented. Was is when someone gets hurt or someone dies, then they invent a building code right after that. And that's that's how they all came about. Was from catastrophes. I actually read about that in the IBC. Yeah, but in oh, a, lot yeah. Of, a lot of ways, that's the that's the driving car, the self driving car argument. You know the the guy that just passed away and died. Oh yeah, the month ago. It's like, yeah. but you have to look at. But how many people live in them? Like like it's safer to fly than to drive a car. Right. Right. So eventually something will happen, and it makes sense to have a you know back door out. But you know, yeah, somebody's eventually going to die because that's the way it goes. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I had a code consultant, uh, one of my friends, because I just had a lot of friends help me with the design, really. And a code consultant looked at my design and and said to me a few things like, well, the doors are a little small, doesn't quite meet the code of a real residential house, but pretty much everything else. And the fact that you have two means of egress, which you really don't need, you know, um, you know, he he agreed. He he concurred that it was going to be safer, he thought. Hmm. So. But, um, you know, I mean, I've got the smoke detectors in here. I've got the instant stop fire extinguishers, those new ones, you know, that you you spray it and it, it and immediately goes, whoosh, you know, immediately puts out the fire. Hmm. Um, Never heard of that yeah. before. 
Yeah, it's it's called Firestop, but hmm. um, but but you know, I mean, like the smoke detector, the the video cameras. I've got the, those little tiny Kickstarter, the little blink cameras, oh, yeah. and the and the video doorbell. Like all these the things ring. call my yeah. phone. Nice. So nice. so if I'm home, I can get out in emergency. Even if someone breaks in the door on one end, I run out the other end. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea. Some cops. Exactly. Boom, boom. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Chase him in the front door. <laughs> Through the woods at the RV park, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but then if I'm not home, like I just went on a trip to Nova Scotia last week, and, and uh, like the motion sensor on the porch picked up the cat lady who was here to check on my cat, and the video, like I could see her on the video to let her in the house. So, nice. I mean. I don't know. I just, I feel safer home and not home. Just knowing everything's kind of, you know, at my fingertips on the phone, you know, but so here's a famous Michelle question. It's a three parter. Oh God, get ready for notes. What is your, I'm going to make it short though. Uh I'm going to shock everybody. (laughs) What is your favorite part? What is your least favorite uh, part, i.e. regret, what would you do differently? And then item three, what do you get the most uh, comments about? Oh, yeah, no, that's, these are, these are <clears> awesome <throat> questions. So um, my favorite part is the switchable glass. So I use this uh, film that's between my glass on my doors. And it's uh, from a company called Glass App. So um, I change, I hit a button on the wall or in my phone, and I change the glass from clear to opaque. Oh, that's, that's cool. hot! Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, in and, and I do that. All, I do week. that all the time. Yeah. Like I just like like right now, I'm doing an interview with you guys, so I have the glass set to opaque because the people in the park who know me, they they know don't come to the door when the glass is opaque. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, I have a Murphy bed that folds down right in front of the back door. So I'm like, if the glass is opaque, don't even knock on the door. <laughs> don't come a knock in when don't the glass is knock. opaque, you know. But, um, <laughs> so that's my favorite. Um, my my one regret, and I don't want to sound like arrogant, but my, I know a lot of my engineers would kill me if I, re- if I regretted any of their ideas. And I, I really don't, <laughs> luckily. But um, my one item that I just, it did not occur to me is I, from the very beginning, I have like one of those three foot shower stalls mm-hmm. and um the shower head that i found on amazon like from china was this 20 inch by 20 inch giant rainwater shower head that basically fills the whole shower wow and and then i have a um a hand sprayer so i can hit the button on the wall because it's a digital controller from kohler <laughs> and i and i and i can go back and forth <laughs> between the the rainwater and the hand sprayer and i'm finding that uh, I didn't realize how much time you need to breathe during the shower. Alan, <laughs> <laughs> the, wa- yeah. the water pressure here in the park is surprisingly, which normally it's not very good in a park, but it's so good here that I'm like under there and it's like a massive downpour and I'm like pushing my face up against the side yeah. of the shower stall going, <laughs> you know, taking a few breaths. So. That's waterboarding. I think, so, yeah, exactly. Alan Lusevsky, Alan Lusevsky gave me that feedback so. about shower heads too. But, um, and then uh, the one I get the most comments on is total shocker, is um, the cabinets because I use those Bertolini cabinets. What's a Bertolini? So uh, the the metal fancy. They're uh. steel cabinets, <laughs> okay. and they're sized in millimeters for European, you know. Okay. So they're not twenty four inches deep like most cabinets. They're only nineteen inches deep. So um, and then they were like less than half the price of IKEA. So I get the hmm. most comments and questions. All the trade shows I've gone, everybody's like, "Oh my god, what are these cabinets? These are so retro, and hmm. I love them." You know. Wow. Um, plus they're super super lightweight. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Interesting. So, what are those two uh, square things Thank on you. on the on the yeah. front of your, the, right beside where you're standing? Right the door. In one picture. Oh my God! So my that's those are my brother's two electrical panels. Um, and oh, the what a show off! Yeah, <laughs> leave it to the attention. Oh, we want to highlight it's, this shit. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he's. You know, my, my my walls have spray foam in them. So so all the wiring, uh, had we run the wiring loose inside the walls, they'd be stuck. The wiring would be stuck in there permanently. So mm-hmm. so instead what he did was he has uh, like a, I think it's PVC or no, it's probably not PVC because that's not healthy. Metal? So ABC tubing oh. or something. Mm-hmm. So he's got um, piping running through all the walls to those two panels. Mm. So every light fixture has an every... Um, like the bank of electrical outlets and my Conduit. every one of my appliances each have a, a separate circuit breaker. Wow. And this wow. this is like one of the big rig RV hookups. So I, he has 50 amps of power running wow. to it. So Yeah, so I have to be in a 50 amp parking spot just like the big rig RVs. Wow. And um, so, and it's also, uh, he, he would be much better to answer the phasing question because I know just enough electrical to be dangerous. Mm. But um, a, a bunch of my appliances, I purposely ordered them just like my incinerator toilet. I ordered them as 240 voltage. So when you when not everything's 120, when you split out some items into the 240 mm-hmm. and then the others into the 120, mm-hmm. you end up with more than 50 amps of power at the end of the day. Mm, I see. So, so I can run like my washing machine, my dishwasher, my my incinerator, toilet, and my air conditioner. I can run those all at one time under the 15 amps with no problem. Oh, wow, it's it's interesting to have the the box out there because then if you have an issue with the fire, a fire or something, the fire department can just roll right up and turn those things off or whatever instead of trying to look for it like they have to do in a regular mm-hmm. house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then I'm I'm plugged just like all the other RVs with an extension cord to a pole, so they'll just go right to the pole and shut it off at the pole too. You oh, know, true, yeah. But um, the second panel, the one panel has all the circuit breakers, and the second panel has relays in it because certain things can't run at the same time. Um, I give them a priority list of, you know, the security items and the life safety items and my smoke detector. All these electrical pieces need to always run no matter what. Mm -hmm. And uh, other things like washer, dryer, and stuff are less important, and even refrigerator. Like, those can get kicked off. Mm. So those types of items, like those relays, he says they're called relays. I don't know what that really means, but yeah. <laughs> but basically they're uh, they're set up so like my my incinerator toilet won't run at the same time as the exhaust fan in the bathroom because it can't like it's not supposed to. It won't be able to exhaust and push out the the incinerated waste uh, <laughs> if if air is being uh, blown out at the same time back in you know from the room with the ceiling ceiling vent you that's know? just so unfortunate that they won't do, don't work together though because <laughs> of two things that should work together those two <laughs> <Exactly>. should <laughs> it, it, yeah you know it, it's funny like early on like I, I said no propane and then the very next decisions I made right mm-hmm. after that was no loft and no compost <laughs> yeah oh I don't want a loft either but compost I kind of like the idea of compost why don't yeah, you, why I didn't just, you want compost well, I mean, I've had a cat for about twenty years. Oh. She's she's and and I've been changing her litter box. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm not going to change my own litter box. And, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I wanted everything to be super low maintenance. So if I can hit a button and walk away, then I don't mind paying a few dollars for the electricity. Yeah. Huh. What? Or you could just teach the uh, cat to use the toilet. 
right? That's what I thought about doing because those composting toilets are even easier to teach them to use than water toilets because huh. the hatch is already there. So you oh. sprinkle, you know, we sprinkle oh, yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. of material oh, or yeah. whatever, and then they automatically, then they think that's, and so they're automatically going to dig and do their business huh. and so forth, and then you just flip the hatch and it goes down into the composting toilet. It's there on my list go. of things to do. Huh. I, I think sure yeah, about well, fair play make I, the cat I, do I'm, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the idea, and, and, I'm, and I've been hugging trees since I was a little kid and trying to save animals in PETA and all this stuff, so I really wanted to embrace the compost. Well, not literally, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to embrace the toilet idea, but I went out and talked to a few different companies, and the ones that split it up into number one and number two, and yeah. it just had such a long list of maintenance uh so, like, I would have to do things later other than empty an ashtray every few weeks. And I thought, yeah. God, I really, I'm not a gardener. I don't, I have a red thumb. Uh, I have no interest <laughs> in, in making sure number one and two end up in the right place. And then, and then the kicker, the, the main decision breaker for me was I asked the guy, so what happens when your number two is a number one? Then what? <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> And he just like went down this long description, and I was like, uh, "Um, yeah, no thanks." That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm surprised though. Um, as you know, that's a very, very unique. Uh, that's a unique attribute to your house is the is the high electrical load and and the incinerator toilets. Not a lot of them uh, use those um, for those two reasons, mm-hmm. really. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually I'll get solar. I mean, I have a generator backup planned for this fall, um, a gasoline-powered one that's um, like a $1,500 generator from Kohler that's going to go outside uh, because the RV park says in the winter time on the winter sites here, if I stay in this park or even another one, they tend to have power drops out and from time to time mm. and everything. So I, I plan on having a generator backup. But, but I talked to solar companies early on. I mean... You know, budget wasn't really, I didn't have a tiny budget. I had a big budget and I wanted solar. Um, and I just, it, you know, I could get enough solar panels um, to generate enough power. It's just. Maybe on six acres. But <laughs> Six acres yeah. worth well, of panels. Yeah, I mean, some of the panels, the higher price panels, and if I didn't have to worry about batteries, that that ended up being kind of the problem was where that many Mm -hmm. batteries could go to Mm -hmm. store that much extra power. Mm -hmm. And um, I I, I don't know, I think the the jury's out on whether batteries right next to your bed cause cancer, you know, so I was like a little nervous. I said, I think think I'll wait on the solar. Mm -hmm. It'll be an easy conversion later because Mm -hmm. everything's already electric and and I have mostly like DC lights everywhere. All my lights are LEDs and stuff like that. So maybe one day. Maybe one day. And you're right. I think the solar (laughs) will get even better as time goes by. So I have a question for you that probably everyone thinks of, but they're afraid to ask. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's famous. Oh, dude, I, I'm good at those. I'm this good is at those. a famous Perry question. Yeah, 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 <laughs> What's up with that paint job? <laughs> Which oh it's my god, ombre. So, so, no, it's it's um, the outside of the house. Obviously, you're talking about my circus yes. design. Yes. So okay, so <laughs> the siding is insulation, by the way. So so I have insulation inside my walls, and I have outsulation outside my walls. So that that's called drive it. It's it's an outsulation product that you'd see like on a Taco Bell. It's like a stucco. Oh yeah. And yeah, and I could have done like very traditionally I could have done like a brick design or stucco or plaster. And what I ended up deciding to do was um, just draw a design and I drew a whole bunch of different designs. And that was the one that I really, really liked. And um, I, I think of this hmm. 
this tiny house since the beginning as more of like a boat. I wanted it to be designed like an automobile or a boat. I didn't I didn't at all want it to look like a house huh. from the beginning. It looks a little since I added the porch on at the very end, um, you know, it looks a little bit more like a house than what I had really wanted it to. But um yeah, so it's that, that that's the crazy design. I drew it on a piece of paper and those guys, the, the plaster guys that installed that, went to work on it uh, and within a couple of weeks that's what it looked like. Mm. So wow. it's, it's different color to drive it then basically. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, yeah, that's that's how I kind of ended up with those colors too is I had to choose from their color palette. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I originally kind of wanted it a little bit more greenish in color, mm. but um but that's really where I ended up with it was because of their palette. Um there's mesh. Uh, I don't want you to think it's just like styrofoam stuck on the outside of the building with There's <laughs> actually like several layers of mesh and then it's like mesh, plaster, mesh, plaster. Mm. Uh, I'm, I I'm sure I'm not using the right words, but okay. they'll kill me. <laughs> plaster, <laughs> but but it's it's um it's called high impact too. So if I hit a car on the highway, like I've had ladders drop on it during construction and nothing happened to wow. the siding. Hmm. So did you actually scale the weight on this? It sound, I mean, yeah. metal cabinets and this stucco and, yeah. and you've yeah. got blown in insulation and, and uh, conduit for all your wiring. It sounds fat, sounds heavy. Did you scale it? Yeah, and we took it to a weigh station several times throughout the course of the build. Nice. How, and how heavy so, is it again? 14. 14 it's 14,000 pounds. And with my clothes and food in the fridge right now, I'm really pushing it. I'm like right at 14. That sounds light compared to the ones I've heard on or watched on Tiny House Nation. Well, people don't realize that metal studs weigh a lot less than wood studs. Ah, that's right. That's the that's difference. Right. Two and, 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 less. People, and people don't realize maybe that an aluminum roof weighs a lot less than a steel roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and steel cabinets weigh less than half the weight of wood cabinets. Wow. So I, I, I cut a lot of weight corners. Um, even though I have drywall in here, you know, Certainty donated all the spray foam in the walls, which, you know, closed cell spray foam is pretty heavy. Um, I kept a spreadsheet the whole time. Every time we put something in here or I received something or picked it up at a loading dock, we, we added the weight to that spreadsheet wow. throughout the whole build. Wow. That's what's, crazy. So, what's the yeah, cost? I mean, so there is drywall. There's gypsum in here on the yeah. inside and the outside. Huh. So how much more or less does, uh, does, uh, this, the, the, did you say that was steel studs or wood or, or um, aluminum? aluminum. Uh, no, it's, so it's steel. It's actually 18 gauge steel. It's not the not the stuff you can buy. Most of my stuff you can't buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. That was the other thing. Is I work in the commercial world, so the the manufacturers that donated or discounted products or that I bought from them, mm -hmm. it was a lot of it wasn't stuff you could actually buy at a store anyway. So they they have like 20, 24 gauge, 22 gauge at Home Depot and Lowe's. This is 18 gauge, which is like commonly used in the commercial world on commercial projects and. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's a little more than half of what the wood would have weighed. What about but the I cost? Can, now that I think about it, though, I can span further with the metal. It's stronger, and mm. I can put my studs further apart with the metal. That's the structural engineer that helped me design the house, and even that cantilever that you mentioned, which is I think you meant over the porch where mm -hmm. the roof kind of just mm -hmm. cantilevers out. Mm -hmm. uh, they engineered that, and, and the, the type of metal materials – that we used weighed less than what would have been used in the wood. So what is what about the cost differential between wood and this steel? Is it more expensive or less? Um, my steel is probably about this. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more than the wood. Okay. 
Although all my steel was donated. So it's hard. It's really hard to say because I tried to keep... I, every time they donated something, I ask, how much would this really have cost if I paid full price for it? You know, just so I could keep that running total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it, it's more, but, you know, my, my walls are fire tested. So if an, if an RV 10 feet away from me, as they're often parked in RV parks or tiny house parks, if somebody else catches fire, my cat will theoretically be alive in here for about an hour before the fire mm. gets inside here. Wow. Not, not to mention my smoke detector is going to call my phone anyway. I mean, I've been cooking in here, and I'm like, oh, crap, and then my smoke detector's calling my <laughs> phone, and I'm trying to turn off the smoke detector and turn off the alarm in my phone. But, um, yeah, the, the doors are metal, too. I'm just kind of speechless over here because I've never seen a tiny house built with these materials, especially mm. that outside stuff that you talked about. It's also one of the most wired tiny houses yeah, we've heard too. about with the ring.com and all the stuff that she's got yeah. tied to her cell phone, which is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah, no, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think of it like high tech, high end or luxury. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know what else to like what to call it, but, um, like I, I was, I planned since I was a kid to build and design my own house one day, you know, and, and I, I didn't from the very beginning think I was going to be building a tiny house. I would draw these pictures and I would list all this really kind of, um, higher end stuff that I wanted in my house. Like my, my uh, waterfall faucets that light up different colors with the temperature of the water that I have. So, you know, I was like, oh, I want that in my house nice. one day. So so all these things I kind of had in the hopper or in my file folders. I want I want this, I want this, I want this. And um, a lot of the things I was able to kind of fit in here, surprisingly, even though it's a tiny little space. Even the waterfall faucet? Yeah. Got to yeah. get a picture of that in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I, love video. Yeah, my face- <laughs> I think my Facebook page so cool. has that. That would be really That's cool. cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, my hot water heater, though, I mean, I guess I could say as far as being traditional and low tech, I couldn't do the um, I had the, the um, mechanical engineers. Yeah, they, they could not figure out or find uh, an instant hot that would work on the amount of electric. Like I would be way over 50 amps just mm. for my hot water. Oh, interesting. So I went with like a 20 gallon ream tank. Huh. So. Yeah. So most tiny housers have um, problems finding a place to put theirs, you know, zoning people and nosing neighbors and, and so forth. So it sounds to me like you just had always assumed you would live in an RV park. And, and so you, again, you're very exceptional in that regard because it sounds like you didn't have any problems at all. Is that is that true? Am I reading between the lines correctly? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, we built this on my brother's property. You know, he he had the tools, I had the money, and um, and we and no neighbors complained. Uh, some even came over and said, "Oh, that's so cool. Let me see it." You know, so uh, never ran into any challenges, but um, never tried to because I never wanted to live as you know. Uh, I, I guess I could say a single female out in the middle of the woods all by myself. Like, that was never my goal. I really wanted to always be in some sort of community, whether that was a tiny house community maybe eventually or an RV park. Hmm. So, and not every RV park would take me, though, I'll be honest. Hmm. I went around to a few dozen parks throughout New England, and some were over $1,000 a month. And I was like, hmm. oh, that's an apartment. Yeah. You know, and um and then, uh, and some of them said, "No, we only take RVIA certified vehicles. We can't. Wow. We'd love to have your house, but we just can't do it. Our insurance won't allow it. Yeah, you know. So, so yeah. So only some were going to allow me to park here, and I knew that. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a boyfriend? But, oh no, not right now. I, I'm I'm seeing somebody, but mm-hmm. uh, but no. What does he think about your living situation? Or she? Or she? Or she. Thank you. <laughs> 
it, it's, yeah, it's 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 a he, and I actually dated a, several people. Yeah, over, over the past he. year, I've dated a few guys, and um, I was so ready for this question. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was she has come listened up. to like, the episode. They're either yeah. going to ask yeah. me about the Murphy bed, and yes, it's been tested. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, the several guys I've dated, the tiny living thing was not. It wasn't really a problem, but they were, but the, but even the current guy, like he's got a boat that with a, a deck below, you know, so, uh, and, and a, and a tiny apartment, like a little studio apartment. Mm. So I don't know if I just maybe gravitate toward tree huggers or, or mm. people who, who don't have a lot of stuff, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it, it hadn't been a problem over the past year for a few people really. Very cool. So. Um, I, I did design this, um, and I did le- I have a, over a three foot closet. So there's like six foot of closet rods in here. So two levels of, of rods. So there is room for someone else to move in here. And maybe once this podcast gets out, who knows, you know, but <laughs> tiny house dating. But- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. Put in the is word that for still me up and running? I, I don't know. know if it is <laughs> or not. It's defunct. Hey, Tracy, uh, we're, as you, as you heard, we're going to be leaving for Jamboree tomorrow. Are we going to see you there? I know this, this is going to air afterwards, but I'm going to ask this anyways. <laughs> I yeah I was I was hoping to make it but I, I yeah I'm not gonna be able to make it this year with my work schedule. Okay. Yeah maybe and maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah that'd be yeah, cool. I'd love I'd love to meet you guys in person. Yeah Absolutely. so would we. Well thanks so much for spending this hour or so with us. It was great talking with you and hearing about your tiny house. Oh you too thanks. You guys oh. have good questions. Yeah, we're we kind of gotten better. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. We have on weeks. As yeah, they exactly. say, that's why they pay us the big bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Tiny House listeners, um, we got to get a recording of her laugh. I know. <laughs> oh, oh we, can just, we can just use it now and then. Exactly. Like, that's perfect. I love it's that. It's kind of like cute. the laugh track that they do yeah, for television exactly. shows. It's just so cute. Yeah, that's great. All right. So, Tiny, tiny House listeners, uh, tune in next week. We're going to be talking with... Um, Frida Becker. Baker? Who's yes. Ba- who is that? Uh, she's an international level sort of tiny house advocate. So we're gonna we're gonna meet her tomorrow, and then we get to talk to her next week officially. Cool. So we're gonna we're gonna test her knowledge. We're gonna yeah, she's gonna to be talking first. about really oh, the differences true. between uh, the tiny house movement, the differences and similarities between the tiny house movement here and in Europe. Good. She's actually a European. Um, uh, citizen, I think she's here on a work visa or something, and Does going back shortly. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm not kidding. I really love accents. Okay. Anyway, see you guys next week, everybody. See ya. See ya, be ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 